Hi, welcome to another episode of Flying with the Ox. I'm your host, Rohit Mather, and in this episode, I'm very excited to be speaking with an Archmere legend. Pretty much all Ox, past and present, know him. Many of us know him just from seeing him around campus and at Kenosis and Mass. He has taught Ox, been their headmaster, and has even performed weddings for Ox alumni. This is a man who's deeply intertwined with the history of Archmere, as he's been here for 45 years and has taken on three separate roles during his time here. I'm so glad to have had the opportunity to sit down with Father McLaughlin. And now, here's the show. Thank you so much for being here, Father McLaughlin, and uh, I'm really excited to have you on the show. How long have you been a part of Archmere? This is my 45th year. Wow, and uh, what originally brought you to Archmere? Originally, I was asked to come here for one year to take the place of a lay teacher who, who was teaching sophomore English, and he left to go to law school and uh, left toward the end of the year. Uh, so they asked me to come for one year to teach English. Cool. So what have your roles been at Archway? So my first uh, roles were to teach English, sophomore English. I did that from, I think, 70 to 77. And then I picked up toward the end of that period of time some classes in teaching speech. Uh, because by that time I was also coaching forensics. So then we actually created a speech class, which was a, an elective for English. And, um, and then eventually I was asked to teach religion when the religion teacher who had been teaching this course uh, was transferred, and Norbertine was transferred. So I went from teaching all English to English and speech and finally to religion. Uh, which role was your favorite? Out of the of, teaching? Out of the teaching, yeah. Um, well, you know, I, th I think each one, um, the English was obviously, I was, well, I was trained to teach, um, but um, doing the forensics got me into speech making and uh, helped kids get up there and uh, give a personal speech. And they had to give 16 speeches in a semester, um, uh, eight each marking period. So working with them, doing all those speeches, uh, that was interesting and, you know, um, Everything was brand new all the time, uh, whereas the textbooks, of course, were, you know, the short stories. We knew what was going to, what was going to be taught, but the speeches were always new. And then the religion, which I think was I was the least prepared to teach, it was a course called Marriage and the Family, uh, and uh, it was divided basically into three sections: um, human sexuality, dating, and marriage. So, you know, I was a little bit intimidated about teaching that subject matter. Um, but as I began to do it and uh, receive the students' trust, then it actually turned out probably to be the most special course of the three, English, speech, or religion, because kids opened up to me in a way that I wasn't expecting and maybe they weren't even expecting. Uh, and that never happened in English. It did a little bit in speech. But... So ultimately, I think, you know, now I'm glad I taught religion as a sort of a veteran teacher and not the first couple of years because that would have been maybe too hard for me. English, I kind of knew what I was doing, so yeah. Uh, apart from teaching, what other uh, stuff have you done at Archway? So in the first uh, 13 years, the only other thing I did was coach forensics. I also was uh, the director of boarders when we had boarding students. Uh, now they ended when the school went co-ed in 75, but I had been a boarding student in elementary school myself for eight years. I was also the youngest Norbertine living in the patio. So I think they gave me that job simply because I was the junior member 
Uh, but it turned out that I had been a boarding student myself. So theoretically, I should have had some appreciation for how to be a good boarding director, but I wasn't all that successful, actually. Um, but that was because I think of the mix of students that we had. We had 20 boarders in my, my time, and they were a mixture of, uh, oh gosh, uh, nationality and religion, and uh, there was some tensions, you know. But it all worked out in the end, you know, and I, I've maintained some friendships with those kids, uh, with whom I lived, you know, I actually ate, and uh, you know, study with them. So, uh, but so that was my only other job uh, during that uh, teaching time. And then, of course, I became the headmaster, and that was complete. Everything was different. Mm -hmm. So I succeeded Father Denny, who had been headmaster for thirty-seven years. He really was a legend, and uh, and I was. I had never chaired a committee. I had never really done any other extracurricular activity. In, in school of a leadership position. So for me to be the leader of the school was incredible. And um, so that took some adjusting. It's not something I asked for. It's actually something I asked not to do. Um, so, but I got, to, I was asked to do what I didn't want to do. And it turned out to be a huge blessing. And I always think about uh, being a master, three great things that you could do. Number one, the teachers that you hire. You know, so that's a, a significant uh, influence on school. Uh, I did a lot of admissions work. So the eighth graders that I interviewed and therefore the financial aid that uh, we were able to give out, we were increasing the aid during those years. Uh, so that was really wonderful because then you heard parents and students and their story and what their needs were and how they much wanted to come to our community. Uh, I'll give you this one story. This really did happen, not before me, but a mother who wanted to send her son to Archmere uh, didn't have the money, so she gave her diamond wedding ring uh, to Archmere oh, wow. in, uh, in trust, you know. And years later, after long after the young man graduated, when I became headmaster, we found that ring in the Archmere files, and we, we returned the ring to the family. Uh, but that was her way of paying for the tuition, you know. And how beautiful a story is that? I never even met the woman, but uh, there are lots of stories like that at Archmere. And uh, so again, the financial aid and admitting students, that was, that was wonderful. I loved doing eighth grade interviews. And, um, and then the third piece of being headmaster, uh, I guess not that you like it, but you have to decide what students have to be asked to leave, either for grades or for discipline. And although that's painful, um, it also is a significant role that a school gives you, you know. So those three things, I think, um, you know, were unexpected, and I learned how to, to do all three and uh, to actually love that job. So, how did you adjust to uh, being to, to uh, kind of this new role that you'd never taken on before? What, what was the transition like? <clears throat> well, initially, you know, I was teaching that marriage and the family class as I transitioned into being headmaster. And uh, my relationship with the students in those days was really extremely good. And so initially, I think they continued to connect with me, even though I was headmaster. So that actually helped because um, I think if I was a brand new person on campus and they didn't know as headmaster, that I would have felt a barrier. But that wasn't the way they were at all. They were just kind of their normal selves. And that was really nice, you know. The teachers, um, many of them, of course, were my colleagues. And none of them were expecting that I would become headmaster. None of them. So, and I don't think anybody wanted me to become headmaster of the teachers. 
So that took a little bit of an adjustment because because um, now I'm their boss, and that was uh, a little awkward, I suppose. Uh, but even that too uh, became easier and easier as the time went on. But I think teaching those students right before I became headmaster made the transition really, really special. I remember I used to meet with a group of maybe 10 or 12 students once a month just to hear their their issues of the school. They were sort of random students that we just chose to pick, you know. And uh, so I, I used to meet with the headmaster's council, which is a group of administrators, every week. And once a month we would meet with these kids. And it was nice to hear the students' issues and whatever. So again, I think I wouldn't have as easily done that had I had they not known me. So but they, they did know me. Uh, so after you were headmaster, what was your next role? So I was headmaster until 1996, and then I left Archmere. Archmere went through a division and a sort of, um, uh, what do I want to say, change of administrators. And uh, mid-year, in uh, January 1st, 97, and although I had hoped to stay at Archmere, um, it wasn't possible. So I left January 1st, so middle of the school year, and I was away for four years. Um, and unexpectedly asked to come back in 2001 uh, by the headmaster who succeeded me. And then we worked together for three years until his very unexpected death uh, at school. He died in school, actually, uh, during the school day. Um, but that brought me back to Archmere in a way that I never imagined coming back. And uh, at that point, I was serving as chaplain. And that uh, is the role I have right now. Um, but in the middle was a little four-year segment of being headmaster again. Uh, and that too was unexpected, but they figured if anybody knew how to do it, I did because I had done it before for 16 years. And so uh, I agreed to do it for, uh, for, for that bit of time. And when, my term, when that four years was up, that term, then I, um, then I, I didn't choose to continue as headmaster. So I just went back to being chaplain. So the, the second time you were headmaster, I guess you had a little bit uh, more experience. So would you say that it went smoother because you had the experience from being headmaster the first time? Um, well, to be honest with you, I, it was a little rougher for me the second time around, I think for two reasons. Number one, the school had gone through this big transition and we were still kind of uh, recovering from that. So we had a headmaster who succeeded me who died in the job. Then we had a headmaster who was in just three months as a sort of an interim. Then we had a headmaster who was in for two years and so then I came back uh, to, to do the job again. So I, I think I came to a school where there had been transition. Whereas when I took over in 83, there was no transition. I mean, the headmaster was there for 37 years. And so it was a, you know, a smooth timeline all the way. But so I, that was a, a bit of a change for me in my experience. And also I was older and, uh, and the school was bigger by that time. And, in 2006. And so my first request was that I would have an assistant who we call the principal. And that's our system right now. We have a headmaster and a principal. Uh, but prior to that, we just had the headmaster who, who ran the whole school. So I asked for an assistant, a head principal, and my principal was Mr. Pomeroy, who was a physics teacher at the time. Yeah. yeah, I'm actually friends with his son. Okay, Paul? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, or his, his, his grandson. grandson. Sorry, yeah, yeah, his yeah. grandson. Did you go to Independence? Yeah. Oh, so did he. So, so um, yeah. So, so he, he and I worked together, and we had worked together when I was headmaster before. He was the uh, director of admissions, so we had a, a wonderful relationship, and that really made the second time around easier. But I was older and less wise, and also we were heading 
into the world of technology in a way that I am not able to navigate. You know, so I think the technology piece, which is probably the one of the single reasons why I stepped out in 2010, I knew that they needed somebody more technology oriented and able, and I was neither. You know, so. Uh, so your current role right now is chaplain, right? Correct. Uh, what what kind of uh, what stuff do you do as chaplain? So I offer daily mass. It's very lightly attended, but it's there every day, and uh, I go to both uh, services of kenosis. Uh, midday. I work with a retreat uh, program. So we have a Kairos retreat, three of them a year, which are four-day retreats. And I do play a role in that. And then we have the all-school retreats, uh, which are coming up actually at the end of uh, November. And, uh, and then I do some uh, mission and heritage work, especially speaking to freshmen four times a year about a little bit of entrepreneur history. That isn't particularly the role of the chaplain, but I'm wearing that hat, so it kind of fits in there, you know. Uh, and I do some emails to uh, the whole student body, uh, kind of letting them know a little bit about our history, church history, American history, so a little bit of our mission, and um, yeah. And then some Archmere weddings, baptisms, funerals, those are pretty steady, and so that's... Kind of my role as chaplain. Right. So, uh, Father McLaughlin, you've been uh, with Archmere for quite a while. Um, what would you say are some of the major changes that you've seen, uh, both among the school <clears throat> as a whole and among uh, the people and the students in the school? Well, just uh, the school as a whole, I mean, we're like a bigger school now, both population-wise. Uh, I was checking to see the numbers when I first came to Archmere, but in 1973, uh, when the decision was made to go co-ed, we were 321 students, down from 400 at a previous, maybe four years prior to that. So we were losing students at about 20 a year. And uh, so the decision was made to go co-ed to try to reverse that trend, which is exactly what happened. It was absolutely the right call at the right time. Um, but we were, you know, a school of 320 when I, my first couple of years here. And so, and we got up to being a school of 520. So you can just see uh, the largeness of that, you know. Uh, secondly, when you're an all-boys school, it has one feel, and now you're a co-ed school, so that definitely has a different feel. Uh, and in recent years, the women's population is higher than the men's. Not by much, probably about 20 more women in school than men. But definitely, it's that's a change, you know, for sure. And the third thing is the faculty is so much bigger. When I came, there were 28 teachers, oh, 28 teachers, most of them men, and um, and of those, 11 Norbertines. So a very prominent, you know, role that we played. Now we are a faculty of about 60, uh, probably 50-50 men and women, but just two Norbertines. So just the mix of that is significantly changed, I think. Um, and. Uh, yeah, I think also the technology uh, introduction, 2010, we went to the laptop program. And uh, the fact that people are always sort of in their laptops now or on their cell phones is a big change for Archmere. Definitely. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I don't have a laptop and I don't have a cell phone. So that kind of tells you where I stand with, with all of that. But it. So from my vantage point, since I'm never in a laptop or on a cell phone, I'm watching this world, and I'm thinking, hmm, it's uh, foreign to me. 
Yeah, so I'll just leave it at that. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, over your three different roles at Archmere as uh, as a teacher, as a as the headmaster, and as chaplain, uh, which role would you say is your favorite one, and and why? Well, I think of the three, uh, either teaching or headmastering. I, I mean, bottom line, I, I, I studied to be a teacher, not an administrator. So I think fundamentally, I would most prefer to be a teacher and be with students. Whereas with when you're a headmaster, you have to work with finances and facilities and fundraising and, you know, just leading. And that was always foreign to me, but I did it and learned to like it. But I never had to learn to like teaching. That was kind of who I was, I guess, and I love working with kids. So uh, those are the those are the two of the three jobs. And it, the chaplain's role is um, is still kind of playing out for me. I'm not quite sure exactly where I fit. Uh, we have a campus minister now, which we did not have initially, you know. But now we have a lay man, or we have a woman right now. But up to now, lay men who have been campus ministers, uh, who sort of take the lead of shaping the spiritual life of the school. So I've sort of plugged into their, to their work, you know. Uh, so it's not something that I'm doing or leading. Uh, and also this is a kind of a change in time for uh, religion in general and Catholicism specifically. You know, the church has been through a bit of a crisis, certainly in the last 20 years. And, but generally religion of every denomination is experiencing sort of a diminishment, you know, as people move away from organized religion and that, that's a very big change for a traditional Catholic school. You know, our Catholic population alone has uh, probably gone from almost 100% to about 73% now. So that means basically a quarter of the school is not Roman Catholic. So they're not part of our faith tradition or liturgy or our understanding of God and world. So that's a, that's a big change, that's a, that's a quarter of the school. So, How would you say that Archmere has changed you over the years? Um, yeah, that's a harder question to answer, actually. Um, so I definitely, first of all, I always appreciated the fact that Archmere valued studies. And when I first came to Archmere, and I, I might have shared that in previous conversation um, about the summer reading, you know, I was so struck by how demanding the summer reading program was my very first year here. I hadn't read any of the books that the kids had read. And uh, I always was inspired by the place of academics at Archmere in, in, in the lives of kids who were also good uh, sportsmen and who did the plays and did some music and all that. So uh, I, I think that uh, that I was not a good student in high school or college. And so definitely that's you know, reaffirmed for me the value of study, hard work, class preparation. Those were important pieces right away to learn. Um, so I think that that certainly shaped me to appreciate the, the intellectual interest of the students here and the caliber of the students here. Um, secondly, I think, um, you know, Archmere is a small community. And the longer I'm here, the more connected I am to different levels of the school, you know, from parents and grandparents to current parents to, you know, their children. Uh, and so I've done so many weddings, so many baptisms, so many funerals including this year, you know, the funeral of Mr. Jordan's dad, you know. So uh, there have just been so many ways that I'm connected to Archmere now that I wasn't 40 years ago, you know. So the longer I'm here, the deeper the connection. And uh, so that, that certainly has shaped my priesthood 
you know, my priesthood is very narrow. But if you were in a parish, you know, with a couple thousand people uh, from infancy to old age, but that's not what Archmere is. Basically, it's a it's a school of 14 to 18, you know, and so that's a very narrow world. And uh, but the longer I'm here, the deeper the connections are, I guess. So, yeah. And so I haven't really even uh, you wonder are the students different now than they were in 1970? And in some ways, I can say no. They seem to be, you know, the same eager, able, uh, easy to be with you know, students uh, who have always been really welcoming. You know, so. I don't, I don't know the students now by name as I used to know everybody by name. So I do miss that a little bit. So so a little bit more about yourself. Um, what gets you up in the morning? Hmm. First of all, I get up really early, <laughs> quarter to three. Wow. Yeah, so some people are just going to bed at quarter to three and I'm yeah. getting up. So um, I have a sort of a religious routine that I do in the morning. I try to spend about an hour reading the Bible and praying over that Bible, uh, those verses from about 3.15 to 4.15 in the morning. So I think that I would say that that's what gets me up, you know, that kind of commitment to uh, God's word and, and to the religious life that I accepted by joining the Norbertines when I was 18 years old, you know, so, but the more I'm, the more I'm in the community and in the priesthood, the more I appreciate that that is why I joined. So I would think that's what gets me up. Years ago, what got me up was to mark papers and prepare a class and do that. Well, I don't have any of that to do now, but uh, so I can really attend to the spiritual life of a school. I'm also living in a monastery in an abbey, and there I am um, serving as a chaplain for a community of nuns. So I go there five days a week in the morning at six o'clock, and I'm also the elementary school chaplain of a grade school, and I go there once or twice a month. and. Um, I'm also the Abbey's organist, so I do that three times a day. So putting all those pieces together, that also gets me up and running, because those are duties that are there before I come to Archmere. So. Awesome. Um, what are some of your favorite hobbies or pastimes? Ah, not too much. I don't have. Uh, I like to watch sports, especially basketball. What's your favorite team? Duke for college. I better. I should say Villanova. With the Mr. Johnson nearby, but, but I have to say it's Duke, um, and uh, you know, so yeah, yeah, even at Duke. What What would you say is one of the proudest moments of your life? Hmm. Well, in 1997, when I left Archmere after uh, after serving for 26 years, uh, in this time of transition, uh, it wasn't possible for the school to say farewell in January 1st, mid-year. But in June of that year, uh, in an event organized by Mr. Jordan and Mr. Campion and Dr. Marinelli, uh, there was a big thank you at the Abbey for these Archmere people. And um, I would say uh, about 800 people came for that event and we had mass together and uh, they had a, a luncheon outside, a very hot day under the tents. Uh, but it was a moment of gratitude and connectedness. So that was a, a proud um, thank you for sure. And uh, a proud moment, I should say. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so with Thanksgiving right around the corner, uh, what are you thankful for? Uh, well, today um, in Kenosis, uh, our campus minister asked the students to think of one thing they were thankful for. And uh, 
So Mr. Jordan was sitting beside me and uh, I taught him in high school and did his wedding and baptized his kids and buried both of his parents. So uh, he was one person that I was particularly thankful for today. So I think he might be an icon of uh, the connectedness that I have with other Archmere families, students, parents, and all that. So probably given this context, um, that would be what I'm most grateful for, the privilege of working in this special place with such good people uh, for so many years, you know? Yeah. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today, Father McLaughlin. It was great having you on the show. And for those of you listening, check in soon for another episode of Flying with the Ox.